Good evening, everyone. It's Sunday night. We're back again with another podcast for the Celtic FC Appreciation Show. It's episode six. We're into series two. Well into series two. Um, and as well as uh, joining my co-host tonight is Paul Gordon of uh, PG and Dax Real Football Podcast. PG, I'm going to refer to you as, as, as we've got two Pauls in the studio. Um, thanks for coming on. No, I'm delighted to be on. I appreciate the offer. Um, how's, how's the podcast been going? Pretty good, aye. Um, I mean, mostly for people who don't know about it, it's the West of Scotland League, the old juniors. Um, but there's a diehard, kind of hardcore of fans in that. And oh, we love it. We have a good laugh with it. So we don't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. And as I say, it's it's great to, to get that kind of side of football out there. I mean, we obviously talk about Celtic primarily, but, you know, it's, it's great to kind of get that other side of football out there. Um, and and let other let football fans know what's happening in the leagues, kind of thing. Oh, it's definitely. See, to be honest, see if you don't know much about the level, you should get down to your local teams and support them for less than a tenner. You get into the game, you get a pie and a bovro, and you get some good football. I was actually doing watching um, St. Caddox against Peter's Hill today. Four uh, three to Peter's Hill, two goals and in injury time for Peter's Hill. It was a cracking game, good crowd as well at it. That's, that's not too bad. So, um, yeah, so as I say, we've got a lot to get through tonight. Um, Club Badge FC is our main sponsor. They are the official licensed suppliers of the Scotland national team. Um, so get on to them if you want any badges or pins. And uh, follow us over the socials. We're doing really well on Facebook, but we're already want to really push this. If you search Celtic FC appreciation, um, we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, just click subscribe and follow and leave us a wee comment, a wee review, just tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Um, if you have any questions about Celtic in the last week or the, this season so far, just get your comments from me and myself and the guys. Um, and uh, I'm going to put the question of the day out early. When Christopher Julian and Joseph Juranovic return from injury, what would be your back line for the rest of the season? What would be you're back three or back four for the rest of the season. Um, so, Paul, I'm going to start with you. Just obviously straight into yesterday, Motherwell, um, a second, a consecutive win away from home after an eight-month lull. Um, how pleased were you that we not only won again yesterday, but we kept a clean sheet? Delighted to be honest. See, Motherwell's always a hard place to go and get a win. And particularly this season, they're a, they're a good side. I was a bit nervous about it beforehand. I mean, up to Pataudry, we weren't great, but yesterday was a lot more like what we were, would be hoping for. And it was just a good win, to be honest. Good to see Jota getting a goal as well. I think he's been excellent recently. Yeah, um, Paul, as I say, J- uh, Jota, um, you know, another great goal. Um, should we be should we be looking to, to buy him the now? For that kind of money, if it's right what you you read, six odd million pound, I could bite their horn off for that. I mean, the guy's an excellent player, he's so young as well. He fits your model. Bring him in. Six million pounds is not a great deal of money anymore. You could you could obviously make more money than that in a year or two if he does reasonably well for us. And if he doesn't, you could probably still make more money than that. So I don't see why we shouldn't bring him in. Yeah, and I'll just throw this to the other Paul. Um looking at David Turnbull, obviously we've been talking Week on week, week upon week, that hasn't really kind of been the same player as last year. Yesterday, goal of the season contender, and you could see when even when he's getting jeered and getting booed by the Motherwell fans that he was determined to score. 
No, de- definitely. And I think that was the first time I think he's been back here with fans. And, you know, so I'm sure it was it meant a lot that day. But I think he started, he didn't start very well yesterday um, from what I've seen of the game. Um, but we know that he's got that in his locker, that kind of shot. There wasn't a great amount of power in it. It was just the direction and the dip on and into the top right, beat Liam Kelly. Um, and, you know, if he's a wee bit low in confidence, that guarantee that will help. Um, and, you know, he hasn't been at his ultimate best, but we do know he's capable of magic like that. So um, I'm hoping to see that continue. Tough place to go. We always find it tough to go to uh, for Park. And, um, and they're always a really physical team. But we kind of, after a shaky start, we kind of dominated that game yesterday and, you know, could easily have been more. Yeah, I think I think when you look at it, um, they didn't really lay a glove on us, and, and I think Joe Hart, he's um, he's loose feet, and managed to get himself out of a bit of danger in the first five minutes. Um, I do, still don't know. I've watched it ten times today. I don't know how he's managed to shuffle away for the defender like he did, but um, he didn't have a lot to do. And obviously, like it's a great ball from Rogic to to Jota for the first goal and smashes it in. Um, but just in terms of, like, I, th- I thought it was really, really comfortable, as you say. Um, goalie season contender for, for uh, Turnbull. And then when you look at it, you know, um, that roar at the end when when the news filtered through that Hearts had equalised at Ibrox, um, I think that's what we've been missing during, obviously, lockdown during COVID. That kind of roar is is what we've been missing, you know, when, when your opposition team... Uh, are your rivals um, drop points across the city kind of thing? For me personally, I think that obviously you want to go and win the league, but this year is a massive rebuild for us. And that result yesterday against Hearts for Rangers is huge for us. I mean, it's like you say, it's, I thought what I really liked when you're talking about the road and stuff, to see the, the fans when we were at Pataudry, I thought that was amazing. Just that it, it it's the first time you've seen it since obviously COVID. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you say, it's it's we seem to have a wee bit more bite about us in terms of not in terms of just the fans. Obviously, the fans are always seem to be louder when we go away from home, kind of thing. But it's that close atmosphere <coughs> when you go to places like Pitodrum, when you go to places like Fir Park. You know, the fans are on top of you, and and as I said, the scenes at the end of the game yesterday, the fans are bouncing about. Um, you know, I, I I just I love I love to see that back, and as you say, it's a massive result. Um, because we cut the gap down to four points, there's still plenty of hard work there. But in terms of, although I didn't think we played great yesterday, um, it's it's what well, I think we're heading in the right direction. And if we can get, um, if we can go to Paul um, at the top, um, I think if we can get players back um, from injury, then you know, especially like Sir James Forrest, Christopher Julian, um, I think we'll be on the right road, kind of thing. Yeah, no, 100%. I have to kind of agree with that. But, you know, I remember the beginning of the season after the Hearts game starting so well. Um, and then we took a dip due to injuries and, and, and whatever else. And then we're, we're starting to come back again stronger. So I hope that dip doesn't come again and we get the players returning and, and we push on and get that consistency. Uh, I said at the beginning, I said it last month, actually, like October's a massive month for us. We've got some really tricky away games. Um, we've got the cup, you know. So um, if we came out of October in, in a good place, then 
I'll, I'll be excited um, for what's what's ahead. Yeah, just a, um, just a few comments coming in from John Flanagan. Turnbull far too inconsistent, and as a passenger in the bigger games, for me, he wasn't great yesterday. Teams like Well and Rafe, he done right, but he needs to up his game. I pretty much agree with that. I think we talked about Paul in previous weeks that you know he's not turned up probably since his hat trick against um, St Mirren. Um, but you know he, he still gives 110%. John Flanagan also says when the news came through in the ground, it was brilliant. Sounded some raw Keith Corcoran, um, friend of ours that came on Hoops Celtic page. Um, go and like his page and subscribe. Great content from him. He says good evening, lads. Yesterday was electric. You can feel the vibe. Take every game as a cup final. It certainly feels that way. PG, um, going to go to you. Five days and uh, five games in 15 days now. Um, with a trip to, I think, Easter Roads next midweek after the St Johnson game at Celtic Park. Um, how vital is it? Obviously, you've got to win your home games, but to go to places like Easter Roads and come out unscathed, I mean, would you take a 1-0 next week at Easter Roads? I would take any form of win at Easter Roads. Even before this kind of rebuild that we're going through, going to Easter Roads never a given. And we have we don't have the best of records going there. I think it's, um, it's just about getting... So I think, see, for a period of time, I think just getting wins is all that matters. Obviously, we want to be playing well, and Ange is very big on that. And I think we've seen that against Dundee and St Mern, that when it clicks, we're unplayable at our level. But I think for a wee while, winning kind of dirty as it would be on the road, it's it's just got to be done. I mean, it is what it is. And also, just uh, John Flanagan, I know John, um, no John through football. Um, for me, on his Turnbull point, I agree with He's saying, I think bigger games he's not been on as well, but I think at Turnbull's got a wee bit of extra quality, and I think he's got a couple of gears to go up as well. I think we just need to kind of give him time and stick by him. Yeah, um, Keith's just saying there as well. 2014 was the last time we won there in the league at Easter Road. That's um, it just seems to be, you know, when you look at Livingston, I think you know, we've no one at Livingston's grounds, um, since 2007, I think the stat wasn't all they were out the league, obviously. Um, you know, but these kind of bogey grounds, you need to be putting that right this season, you know, um, and, and getting these results. I mean, going back to yesterday, I thought, I, I'm not a big fan of Ralston, um, but as, as Paul will tell you, but in terms of, I thought he had a better game yesterday, um, and I know there was a lot of praise heaped on um, Carl Starfield yesterday as well. He seemed to kind of come into his own a wee bit yesterday. Um, what was your opinion on on? stuff out yesterday do you think he's might just be settling in now I think it's just going to take him a bit of time also Carter Carter Vickers I think is a cracking big I wouldn't say no nonsense because he's a, he's a decent football player as well but I think maybe he's, he's a cracking presence and somebody that Starfield's probably feeling more comfortable beside where he'll maybe be able to play himself in the game um, it has looked a wee bit better late I'm still not completely convinced and I think when Julian's fully fit he'll probably come in for him but with Ralston, it's one, Ralston for me is a guy that you can't help but like. He gives you everything he's got. He, he might not be the most talented player. But yesterday, he, he put in a couple of decent bo- uh, boys into the box. He'd that be one he floated at the top, where Jota is at the volley that he's kind of hitting at the ground as well. And this is the one he's put right across the face. And Jota is in at the back stick again. It's well defended. With, with, with a player like Jota on the other side, I think he'll probably make um, Ralston look better as well. Because Ralston does get quite a lot into the box. So I think um, kind of with Jota, with his directness, probably cover up some of Ralston's inefficiencies as well. Yeah, I mean, 
for me, with Ralston, as you say, he's a 110% player. You know, what you see is what you get. He gives everything to cause and he'll run through a brick wall for you. The, the point for me, especially when I see him in Europe, he's definitely no good at in Europe. And I don't think like Sir Hamming Young Montgomery should be playing in the Europa League. But it is what it is. You know, we've got injuries and we're missing vital players in those positions. For me, I think when Juranovic comes back for injury, I think he plays instead of Ralston. Um, and Liam Scales, who I'm going to get on to later on in the show, um, should be in left back for me. Um, but in terms of that, Paul, uh, just talking about ball and goal, he, ob- he obviously came into the team yesterday. I mean, do you think it's a case of... Uh, for me, Ange, Ange doesn't want him at the club in my opinion, but um, should he be given that left-back role for a few consecutive games to see how he does? Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, in my opinion, I would give him a chance um, because we don't have much options there just now. And, um, you know, Adam Montgomery's came in. Um, and, you know, for a young lad, he's, he's done well. Um, and I think if you've got between him and Bongoli, you have to give them both a shot to try and, you know, prove himself and I understand what Bolly done last year and and everything but we're, we're still trying to replace Tierney here and you know we need to do something proactive and if that means giving a guy a chance let's give him a chance and, and see how it goes and hopefully uh, Taylor comes back you know and um, you know maybe maybe one day we'll, we'll fill Tierney's place who knows yeah I mean <laughs> That's the thing. It's you know we've not really replaced Tierney in any way, shape, or form um, since obviously since he left for Arsenal. But um, yeah, so I mean, as I say, listen, it was a great win yesterday, and we go on to obviously Ferenc Varos next. I was going to say St Johnson, but um, you know we need to um, we need to get some points on the board, not just for um, you know not just to to try and get through this group stage. But for confidence, I suppose, because um, PG, me and, me and Paul were talking about it last week and the week before, and we're saying it's not about it's not about doing well in Europe or going far in Europe. It's it's about getting a consistent run of victories, and there's no point in you know beating Motherwell two 0 at Fir Park and then going and getting hammered three or four 0 by Ferencvaros on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. Um, so, I mean, what's what's your opinions on on Tuesday? Do you think? We should be playing our strongest team, or do you think we should be trying to rest players and focus in the league? I don't know. It's quite hard, obviously, having um, Hibs away next week's huge, and it is the bigger game. And I think it's all right to say, like, and I agree with you in a sense. It's all right to say, oh well, Europe's no the main priority because it isn't. But at the same time, you know, we like as Celtic fans, we love the European nights. And granted, this is a, a European Tuesday afternoon, so it's a bit different, but. I'd probably go with the bulk of the team that's going to be played that played in the weekend and going to play next weekend because we need the guys to be getting used to playing Ange's system continuously, doing it together. And I also think that with the level of fitness you need for for the way Ange wants to play, the guys are not they're not there yet. It's going to take. I think personally, it'll be close to you know Christmas time before they're really up to pace to be playing the way Ange wants to play. But again, at the same time, you could end up getting a bit of burnout with guys because of the way he wants to play. So I'd maybe rest one or two, but I wouldn't be making wholesale changes. 
Yeah, and obviously, you know, a lot's been made of of the game, the, the kickoff time, half past three on a Tuesday afternoon duty, obviously COP twenty six. Um now for me, I would I was really, really upset at the time because I thought Celtic didn't fight a corner enough because obviously Rangers at home to Bronby on the Thursday night at eight o'clock, their game didn't have to move. Um it almost seemed like we got the brunt of it, um, for whatever reason. To me, in my opinion, I think Celtic have obviously been compensated um, in moving the game. They obviously know that they'll not have a full house. And Paul, I don't know if you're going in, in Tuesday. I know you've got a season ticket, but um, yeah. uh, have you got the package? Have you got the, the European package? Yeah, I've got all the yeah. tickets, yeah. yeah. I'm lucky enough I, I'm not affected at that time by work events and so. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but so it's, it's still an inconvenience in terms of you know we seem yeah. to have been kind of the fans seem to have been shortchanged again in terms of they've paid the money already, and mm. you know they're having to reschedule either work or personal life to to try and go to a Celtic game at half three on a Tuesday afternoon. Now. Um, I mean it's as I say they've obviously been well compensated for it, but in terms of you're looking at uh, Ferenc Varos, the last five games have not been consistent like our, ourselves. Um, I think they've won three and lost two. They get beat at the weekend by a team I'm going to try and pronounce. I think it's Zala Gersey. <laughs> um, something like that. Um, there's a lot of G's and L's and S's in it. So, um, But do you, see us, do you see us getting the three points on the board on Tuesday? Yeah, definitely. I think the you, you talked just briefly about um, you know changes in the team with your rest players. I would go full throttle and then try and get a few goals or a couple of goals, finish the game uh, where you can and make the changes then. Um, and I think we just need that run of games to get things clicking a bit faster. So I think too many changes to the team would be de- at their detriment. Um, but I see he's getting the three points. Um, but we've been proven before that if, if, we, if we take our eye off the ball, then we'll be punished. So And that's happened too many times and and these European nights against teams we should be beating. So we need to go out there, concentrate and 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 go for you know cutthroat attacking and just try and get the goals. I'd I'd love to, you know, going at half time, two or three goals up and then, you know, you're looking you're looking towards Saturday's game from there. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Obviously the good thing is is we're at home on Saturday um, to St Johnson before we we, we go to uh, Easter Road um, the following midweek. Um, Keith says, you know, winning Tuesday better be a win. Um, I know he's coming over from Dublin for it. Um, you hope a league music at half three on a Tuesday. The world has gone mad. Um, he also says, start the Greek up front on Tuesday and rest Kyogo. Um, PG will come to you. Um, do you agree with that? Do you want to see a wee bit more at uh, um, Jackie Marcus? Uh, see, to be honest, we've, we've had what, two kind of short kind of appearances from 20 minutes yesterday maybe similar 15 minutes uh, against Leverkusen um, I'd like to see Merriam but I'd probably still go with uh, Kyogo I think um, him building up a proper understanding with the players about him because we're going to he's, he's going to be our main man this year really I don't see any other way for us to win too much this season without him um, but I can see them I can see the point in, in resting him bring in Giamakis to give him a run in because again he's got to get to know the players and if something happens to Kyogo then we're going to need him because I don't think you can rely on Ajeti Yeah I mean as you say it's, it's, it is, it is going to be vital he is the main man up front and you've seen how 
how we struggled without him um, for a few weeks there, and hopefully that won't happen again. Um, but in terms of like, <coughs> it's obviously it's a revenge mission. Um, I read a stat earlier on that that Callum McGregor is the sole survivor from the last time we played them um, yeah. in the qualifying last year. Um, obviously, the only fit survivor in the Celtic team. Obviously, like the Barkas and and Julian and all the rest that they, you know, they're all like, injured Forest. Um, but I mean, that shows you how far I think they've came under Postecoglou, just in terms of how he's turned the team around, how he's, t- it looks like a totally different team, even with maybe three or four additions like Ibarra, like Kyogo, that sort of thing. Uh, I think, I don't actually realise that stat there, that McGregor's going to be the only one, but let's be honest, that's probably not a bad thing. I mean, we, with how poor it was last year, and I know it was, it was only 2-1 against them, but that's a side we really should have been beaten. And like you said earlier, they're, no having, they're still top of the league, but of late they've not been doing too well. So we really should be going and winning that. And even looking back at the Leverkusen game, where obviously we've lost four goals, but I thought I was at the game and I was actually sitting behind um, the goal we were attacking in the first half. I thought we should have been two up before they scored. I mean, they're a better side move, there's no denying that. But if we can take our chances, like Paul says, there's a chance we'd be two or three up at half time, but we've got to take our chances. As much as I love Kyogo, that is probably an area where he's a bit slack at times. He, get, he scores a lot of goals because he gets so many chances. But when you're playing the higher level teams like Leverkusen, you've got to take the chances you're getting because you're not going to get five and six like you did against a Livingston or um, maybe a poor choice, but against a Dundee or a St Murn or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at their, their danger players as well, like, like Sir Frank Bowley, um, the Norwegian and Gwen, um, Mami. As well, he's a, he's a penalty taker for them. Hopefully, we'll not get to take any penalties at Celtic Park. But um, I, I think it'd be good as well. It'd be a good opportunity to hopefully get um, some of our. I don't know if they're in, even in the Europa League squads yet, but you know some of the injured players. Hopefully, see them back, like Sir James Forrest, Christopher Julian. We probably would need to wait to, to Saturday against St Johnson, to be honest. But um, as you say, like. It's it's just about taking the chances, and I think I mean I don't know about you guys, but um, Paul, if I can go to you, it's do you think Kyogo is stronger when he's kind of fed from the wings rather than the ball over the top? Um, from yesterday's game, some of Abadis crosses were horrendous. Um, if he's got a good supply, I, th- I think he can come in and um, be better off. Um, but I think. Aesthetically and looking at it, you know, he, he plays much nicer and much smoother when he's running through the middle and overlap and um and that's that's what's pretty on the eyes. But for me, he misses too many chances still. And needs to start putting them in the back of the net. And and we we're already the top goal scorers in the league. We'd be far ahead of that if he's put if he put half the chances he's missed away. Um so um I prefer him going through the middle and over the top. But um, that necessarily not might be the best thing. But I don't really care as long as he starts putting it in the net more often. Not that his goal ratio or goal scoring isn't great um, or isn't good. Uh, but I think it could be even better if he just gets that wee finishing touch. You know. So um, and I think this game is actually a good game tomorrow. I think it's almost a benchmark to where we were last year, and we can go and show. Let's see how this team compares to what we had last team and we can use that to gauge 
And I'll certainly be doing that as a fan. I'll be watching and I'll be seeing, you know, where's the differences there. Um, and hopefully we come out with a, a really good positive result tomorrow. Um, high in confidence um, into Saturday's game. Um, yeah. Yeah, as, as you say, it's, when, when you look at it, you know, it's, it's all about taking chances. I mean, we played two really good side guys and, and Betis and, mm -hmm. and Leverkusen. Um, you know, it doesn't read well in the group, obviously. I know, I know Rangers have obviously lost their first two games as well. But, you know, in terms of um, played two, conceded eight, scored three. Um, the Betis game was a bit of a freak game, in my opinion. I, I mean, that was just how that ended up, you know, the score it was. I couldn't believe it, it ended up 4-3. But in terms of, <clears throat> just in terms of, you know, you look at Joe Hart. Obviously, he's been um, a breath of fresh air in the Celtic team. He's, he's actually, I was saying after the Leverkusen game, that he's actually been one of Celtic's strongest players in the two games, and yet he's conceded eight goals. And that's that's no necessarily down to him. That's necessarily down to changing the defence up, um, losing cheap goals, and just, you know, switching on at, at the right moment. Celtic seem to have this thing in their head where we might go one or two nil up, and as soon as you lose a goal, the whole shape, the whole formation just collapses, and they don't seem to know what to do with it. Um, and... <clears throat> PG, if I can count you, I mean, what, what do we need to do to, to kind of eradicate that in terms of just, um, you know, just not to concede our usual goal kind of thing? See, to be honest, put it bluntly, I just think we need better defenders. I mean, you spoke about Ralston earlier. Um, you see him playing as the inverted fullback against Leverkusen. There was a couple of times um, the boys been zipped right in the middle of the park where I'd expect if it was Juranovic, he would take it and move the ball in. And as much as I like Ralston because he is a trier, the boys get zipped in and it's kind of skidded up a bit, one in particular that I remember. And he's just not got the level of skill to take it in. He's kind of come off his shin, he's rolled forward. They've not scored for it, but Leverkusen have broken as quickly. If we're going to play the way we play, then we do need better players. And young Montgomery, I feel for him a bit because he's kind of been thrown in. A guy like him, particularly playing fullback, should probably be bled into the team, but with circumstances, no the chance. But the two of them are off against Leverkusen, and it doesn't help you at all. I just think that we're not good enough defensively. I'm all for Angie's way of playing. I'm not completely buying into the inverted fullback stuff, but that's the way it is, and we know that's the way it's going to be, and he's not going to change it, so we need to get behind it. But I just think we need better players. It's it's as simple as that for me, and it seems obvious to say it, but I just think that's that's the way it is. Yeah, absolutely, 100% agree. We, we do need better players, we need better defenders. And that was my point, I think, on a few podcasts has been um, when I was on Keith's podcast not long ago and it was, you know, he was asking a question. Um, I was saying that, that Juranovic comes in as soon as he's fit and ready, he goes in right back and, and Keith says, what about Ralston? I says, well, Ralston goes on the bench because he's played well for us. He's, he's had some great games for us, but... He needs a rest. You know, he can't play every game, every minute, every game. I, I, he's no he's no fit enough. I think you're right. He probably does need a rest, and it's what I said earlier, maybe touching back on that, where the style of football play, particularly the way Andrew wants the fullbacks to play, you can't have a guy playing 60 games a season with that kind of tempo. But I also think it was a bit more difficult when Juranovic first came in and obviously played on the left side against Rangers. Ralston was probably playing the best football he's ever played in his life at that period. So everybody's like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. But you see against Leverkusen and that he is a trier, but he's no he's no good enough 
to progresses at that level. So I think it's probably a bit easier to bring Juranovic in now and I don't think you'll get any grumbles for it. People will just say, oh, well, fair enough, Juranovic is, is going to play anyway. Yeah, I mean, what, what would what would your be? Everybody's back, everybody's injury-free. What would be your back line? I don't know. Um, Juranovic right back, Carter Vickers is a stick-on for me. Fully fit, I'd probably go with Julian and Taylor, but I still don't think that's a good enough back four. Taylor's for me isn't he good enough. I mean, he's another one. He's a trier, and I like him because he does. He gives you everything he's got, and he has moments where he play well. But I think, I think I don't know if it's just Celtic fans, maybe, but we we maybe get a bit guilty of see when a player's no there and he's no fit, it becomes the answer to the problem. Well, Julian, as much as I do think he's probably one of our best defenders, and I would put him in. I still think that Julian's prone to a clanger, and you've seen it last year and the year before. It's not like Julian's going to come back for being injured and be this amazing defender. He's still going to make the same mistakes he did previously. But again, I would have him in because I'm still no, I'm not completely sold on Starfield. Yeah, and and Paul, what would what would your backline be if everybody's fit? Everybody's fit is Juranovic, uh, Vickers, fully fit Julian, and yeah, I would say Taylor. Um, I would, I would go exactly what Paul said, um, but you know, I just think Starfields, you know, although he'd, he'd done better yesterday, I think he looks still at times very nervous. He starts games very nervous, um, which is no when you need because nine times out of ten we're starting the game on the offensive, um, and if we get caught out and he's got that nervousness about him at the back, then it, it, it's no good. I think he grows in the games. Um, and I think um, a wee goal for a corner or a set piece would help him a wee bit with confidence and getting with the fans and stuff. So, uh, but Julian walks in there all day for me. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of agree. To, apart from the left back situation, I think Taylor's okay in the domestic season. I think he can play okay domestically. But um, for me, you know, I'd, I'd like to see I'd like to see Liam Scales come in. Um, I, I, and I don't get why he's been sitting on the bench and not coming on because, you know, he's tried Montgomery there, he's tried Ball and Gola there. And for me, if I'm Liam Scales, especially at the weekend, I'm knocking on Angie's door Monday morning and saying, what do I need today to... No, I don't, I, I'm no privy to, to what goes on in training. Um, but for me, I'd be asking the question, why am I not on that team? Why am I not given a chance? Because we've seen him briefly against, I think it was Rafe Rovers, and he seemed to do okay, and it was Rafe Rovers at Celtic Park. But, you know, <clears throat> for me, I think he looks a more exciting prospect than Taylor or ball and goalie kind of thing. And saying that, if Scales isn't going to get in, then I wouldn't be adverse to, to trying ball and goalie, but giving him maybe four or five games in a row to let him try and settle in and see if we can, we can work something. But it's much like last season, guys. It's... Um, you know, it's chop and change in defence and, and that can't be good for the defence, it can't be good for Joe Hart either. Um, so hopefully we get that sorted. Um, but moving on just to St Johnston on Saturday, obviously it's good that we're um it's good that we've got another home game. Um we've obviously got them in the cup later on in the year. Um, I think it's next month we play them in the cup. Um is this just um Paul, if I can come up to you at top, um, is this just a routine game for Celtic? Um, could could this potentially be the game where everything clicks again and we win four or five now? 
Uh, I hope I hope yesterday we'll take that on Tuesday. Good performance from Tuesday in into Saturday. And, and listen, St Johnson are doing all right. You know, I know they had a didn't have the best result um, at the weekend, but um, you know they they've been doing all right and get, we played them in the cup as well. Um, so they're in the last stages of the cup, so you know we can't we can't take anything for granted. I think. I think it's a game we should win. I think we can all agree that everybody watching this is a game we should be going win comfortably. Um, uh, and I think we will. I think it will be, it'll be a couple of goals. Uh, I'd like to see loads of goals, as anybody else would. But more pleasing for me was would be not to concede any goals. And if we, if we can finish at quarter to five on Saturday without conceding any goals in the last three games, that would be great for me, to be honest. And it would be great for our defence, so... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we get the advantage of playing at three o'clock on a Saturday because we are on a Tuesday. Rangers play on the Sunday. But, um, PG, if I can come to you, um, in terms of, do you think there'll be a lot more um, changes from the Motherwell and then the Ferenc Faros game? Just in terms of, because we're at home, it might be a chance to, to rest some of the, the bigger players. I don't think Andrew's going to do that. I don't see... I don't think he's got enough belief in his squad. I mean, you hear him talk quite regularly about, particularly at the start of the season, talking about he's not got the squad he wants and the guys need backup, which clearly tells me he's not convinced with what's there. Just to touch on scales when you're talking about him, I can't understand that myself. I don't know. He obviously wasn't an in-signing, but mm-hmm. he's, been in for, he's been in for a wee while now and he's seen him training every day. For the reports you hear for Ireland, he's supposed to be a good player. So he's played the, the qualifiers in the Europa League, so I don't know why he's not playing. I'd probably give him a chance, to be honest. But on St Johnston, I, I just think that we're going to go with... We'll, I don't think we'll change much at all, and I don't think we'll change much unless we can bring in quite a few new players in uh, January. I think that they're a bit hot and cold, and to be honest, we, we generally we do quite well against St Johnston. You, you see with Livy, who we always struggle against. St Johnston seems to be a team who cause everybody problems apart from us. So I'm hoping that can continue. I think they're having quite a bad season considering the year they've had last year. I think we'll probably take two or three off them. And like Paul says, I think if we can get a clean sheet, that'd be massive for three games in a row. Yeah, I mean, as I say, hopefully it is a comfortable game. Um, Saturday <laughs> afternoon, it won't be on TV, <coughs> which I'm going to kind of move on to um, in a minute, just in terms of the Sky deal. Um, Edward Haswell says, good evening, guys. I'm so happy with... Result yesterday, Celtic need to keep a hold of Jota. We've already um, touched on that. Six, I think six million was the fee that, that was almost kind of pre-agreed. Um, as I say, if I'm obviously we don't know what's happening with the, the CEO business um, up there, but in terms of, you know, he's definitely, if, if he wants to come to Celtic permanently, I'd be paying the six million because he looks like a player. When you look at things, Look at him, look at Kyogo. I think Abada, when he gets his confidence back up, you know, you're forgetting Abada's only 19. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's still it's still a lot to learn for, for him kind of thing. But in terms of, we've got to talk, talk about the the deal from Sky um, at the start of the season for the, the rights of the Scottish Premiership. 48 games we've been treated to this season. Um, for me, I wanted BT to pull out all the stops to um, secure Scottish football for the next four or five years because I feel that BT um, seem to care that wee bit extra. They give you that wee bit more coverage. Um, the panel's a lot 
kind of better, um, a lot kind of easier on the eye and, and listening to the guys that you know are talking about with Sky, it's just very plastic. It's you get Chris Boyd all the time, you know, and it's just like I, th- I think they just put them in there just to wind the Celtic fans up, obviously. Um, but looking at it, I'm going to throw some um, names at ease. I mean, Celtic from the start of the season. Um, now, we didn't feature in September at all. Rangers, obviously, we're away at St Johnston. Um, then Rangers featured twice in October, or they will feature twice in October. Um, you know, and I think they've got like two or three games over us from August to December. Um, Paul, if we can come to you at the top, um, do you think this is a Stevie G love in with Sky, or do you think it's just do you think it will balance itself out in the second half of the season? I was flitting through Sky yesterday, and I, I couldn't believe it. They've actually got ten pin bowling on there rather than a Celtic game, and I'm like, come on, surely. Listen, I, I know the Scottish football product isn't a lot better than some other leagues mainly Premier League, La Liga, I get, 100% get that. But I think it's a, an issue for Scotland. I don't understand why we can't have our own broadcasting that the SFA do, you know. Um, the money they would make from that, every game televised, that stuff. But to go to Celtic, I mean, Celtic always seem to have this lack of standing up. Um, or maybe they do stand up for Celtic and the fans and they just don't tell you about it because they don't tell you anything anyway you know the, these are the kind of things that, that start to annoy you and um, and I can understand if for example Rangers have lots of away games one month so they're on the TV most of the month most of the month I, I, I get that but then you can't have the other side of the hand and the other another team having loads of away games but not get any on TV yeah I mean Absolutely just ridiculous to me it's, I mean just just in terms of like other games that's been on that to my knowledge you know Hearts Hibs obviously has got to be on but um, Dundee and Hibs it was really the last one that I remember being on Sky and that was a cracking game it was, you know finished to each end to end um, Motherwell Dundee United's the, the the only other game that's got to be on between now and the end of December I mean um, PG if I can come to you it's just when when you look at it um, it, it, it does seem to be very much that they're on Rangers' side in terms of uh, because it's Stephen Gerrard. I think I've always thought if Stephen Gerrard's not at Ibrox, Sky are only giving a hoot. And I, I said when Eddie Howe was linked to Celtic that Sky would really fall over themselves to get a bigger deal for Scottish football if, if Eddie Howe indeed had came kind of thing because to have two kind of English managers fighting it out. I tend to agree with that. I think that they've been too high profile. I think you did probably get about a loving with Stevie G for um, with Gerard with with Sky because let's be honest, Sky don't care about Scottish football. So a couple of points I want to touch on there. Firstly, for yourself, Gary, the the one you're talking about BT. I mean, I think you only need to look back. Here. I think it was the League Cup final a few years ago where it was a full day on BT yeah. for all the build up for both teams' games and they were even doing the kind of the carpool karaoke stuff where you had ex um, players were getting interviewed for a reasonable spell and you did fe- you did feel like BT really cared you had even just um, his name Daryl Curry hosting it who, who could tell cares Chris Sutton's a champion for the Scottish game even though he's like a big wind up with Rangers fans he champions the Scottish games down south big time and then 
Paul, um, what you've said there about the, the 10 pound bowling, I remember seeing a, a thing, I think it was two or three years ago, that um, rugby league and gets bigger money off a sky than what um, the, the Scottish Premier League does. And you're like, compared to the numbers, we're, we're the highest um, attended league uh, per capita in Europe. I mean, we get decent numbers. I think that I think it was Roger Mitchell when he was the top man at the SPFL who looked at trying to get the um, the SPL kind of TV thing. I don't see how that can be pushed by clubs because surely that, that's got to be better than what we're getting. What Sky are offering is something like, was it somewhere like six, seven hundred grand per team in the Premier League? Like that all right, your smaller clubs need that money, but I'm sure they would, if it was a, pa- a plan put in place properly, you could make much more money with an, an SPFL TV or something like that. But uh, I'm not going to lie, I watch Celtic games on Sky just because there's nowhere else to watch them. I just don't rate the Sky coverage whatsoever. Like you said, BT actually cared about the game. Sadly, they weren't willing to stump up the money. But it was good It was good seeing Chris Boyd the other day. There, uh, the two <laughs> where... The, the 87th minute with his big cheesy smile that he loves and then yeah. 90th minute, he was absolutely devastated. <laughs> it was the best thing Sky's put on the TV all, all year. <laughs> that was brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think one of the one of the Rangers games coming up, I think it's Rangers-St Mirren, is actually on Sky Sports Cricket Channel. You know, obviously, no, no, obviously, you know, we, we get that the, Premier, the English Premier League is their bread and butter and that's, that's what obviously brings in the big bucks for them. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like either show it or don't show it. But in terms of just, you know, we're getting shunted to ridiculous kickoff times. Um, I mean, we're talking about the differences in Scott, the the differences in the style of play for Scottish and English football. Now, Friday night, for example, um, I had a choice. Uh, I think it was Birmingham and West Brom. Uh, we're playing each other, or I could turn it over to BBC Scotland and watch. Hamilton and Partick Thistle, and I switched it over to Hamilton Partick Thistle, and obviously 1-0 at half-time, could have went either way, and then the second half just exploded into life, Thistle won 6-1, absolutely unbelievable game, not the best football you're ever going to see, but, you know, two teams trying to give up their all, and that's the thing, it's it's just like, the Scottish game doesn't get enough credit sometimes up here, you, know, like, you see games down there, and it's nil nils and one nils and two, and we get three twos and five ones and six nils sometimes. And you, you just think it still gets called a public. Um, it's just as I say, something needs to be done. And an OBT obviously kind of blew the load with the with the um, they got the European football secured, and I think that's what, what ripped into their budget, so they couldn't get Scottish football. So it was one or the other, and I think obviously they're looking at it and saying they're going to get a lot more viewers if they if they get the European football kind of thing. So, um, sadly, they, they went for that. But I totally agree with you, PG, about the, the um, big Sutton. Um, <laughs> in fact, he's probably the most Englishman I've ever met. Um, and yet, he's, he talks so well about the Scottish game kind of he thing. loves your game. Absolutely loves it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Paul, I'm just going to come to you up the top. Um, we're going to go to ref watch. Um, are the referees doing their job? We've spoke all season about decisions that's went against us, decisions that should have went for us and things like that. Um, for me, I know Willie Collum gets injured um, in, in the first half of the game in, in Saturday. Um, you know, there's a delay and I think he's, his assistant, Chris Fordyce, um, came on. 
um, made a few blunders in terms of decisions. Um, I think I don't know if I don't know if he was in charge of the I don't know if he was on the field at the time when Turnbull was tackled uh, by McGarvey. Um, I don't know if that was him or Colum at the time, but you know that's that's another shocking challenge that deserves um, to be punished properly. And that could have easily been a red card when you look at it. Um, Motherwell should have had a penalty when we were two 0 up. Um, that would have pulled it back to two one. Ball and goalie stole handball, and that's what I'm saying. If we're going to be talking about fair decisions, we need to talk about all fair de- all decisions that should be given, kind of thing. So as I say, like ball and goalie gets away with one in Saturday. But th- how did you rate the the referee's performance firstly in Saturday, Paul? Um, like I think most people, unless you were at the game, I didn't see every minute of the game. So, but from what I did see it, um, I think it's better than some, but nothing really to write home about it. You know, the hand, the handball um, was definitely something they missed. There's a couple of tasty challenges in there that I think should have been dealt with. Um, we can, I, I kind of go into the games um, thinking. Well, let's stick a few goals away and just, you know, I expect the referees to make a mistake or make a wrong decision or not give something. Let's not rely on the refs. Let's go and win the game mm-hmm. um, comfortably. And, and and that's what I go into every game kind of thinking and hoping for. And, you know, the standard of refereeing is as good as a TV package in my eyes, to be honest. So, um, yeah, there's, there's too much... It's a difficult situation because it's all, you know, most people or most football supporters in Scotland will support the big two teams. So when you're playing, when Celtic are playing um, Motherwell, for example, and they put a Rangers biased referee in there, and they can say they're not biased, but of course I would do the exact same if it was me. Um, And that happens too often for me. Is that ever going to go away? Probably not, unless you're finding foreign referees to do Celtic Rangers matches. But then, you know, it's a whole different ball game. The standard needs to be better, but, I mean, how long is it going for? They're, they're more never out in England, the standard of the referees <laughs> as well. We like, uh, oh, listen, uh, I'd, I'd, happily, I'd happily take some of the referees in England over, over our referees. Maybe that's what I was about to say, yeah. Maybe we could do a ref swap or something for, for a couple of weeks and um, <laughs> see how we got on. But um, PG, just looking at it, some of the decisions that's went against us, the goal that was disallowed in the first game of the season against Hearts, that would have put his 2-1 up, that could have changed the game, that could have been a three-pointer. Um, red cards in Dundee United game for um, Fuchs um, on, I can't remember if it was Turnbull or, or Abada done, and then Abada um, got kicked for, off his Seagrest in the chest. Um, nothing done again. Um, at, my point was when I watched that Dundee United game that they drew. My point um, to my old man was that I think referees come to Celtic Park in Ibrox maybe on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, and it's almost like I don't mean to switch off, but I think it's lazy refereeing because they kind of just drift through a game rather than focus a hundred percent on it. And listen, we're not expecting them to get every decision right. Um, but when you look at the decision at Ibrox yesterday, I've seen the I've seen the footage from I think it's uh, Aribo, Joe Aribo. Um, the challenge is high, the knee, the leg is high, it's outstretched. That's a red card. Referee's looking straight at it, does nothing. Um, do you think it's lazy refereeing, or do you think there's a deeper kind of problem here? 
see, I'm, people might think I'm naive and stuff. Like, I did a wee bit of refereeing when I was younger just to earn a wee bit of extra money and stuff. And um, I went to some of the training sessions and like Craig Thompson, a couple of the, the Cat 1 referees went to the same training I did. I don't think they cheat or anything like that because they are so far up their analyses that they are so obsessed with making sure that they look all right. Mm-hmm. But it's like Paul said, you have you have unconscious bias. You can't help that. I mean, it's it's human nature. You cannot help for talking sake. I'm refereeing an old firm game, and McGregor looks like he's maybe done something. I'm like, nah, no, just a boot, no red card. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Consistencies are what bother me. You're talking about Aribo yesterday, where I don't think Aribo has tried to break Emery's leg, but you uh-huh. see how high he goes. But then you look at Porteous. Porteous to be. A couple of weeks ago, get sent yeah. off, and I think Porteous gets. He can be a bit wild, but I think particularly when he plays Rangers, he gets a bit of a bad rep, maybe because Gerard's on his case a few times. But I just think that a big issue they have as well is we're talking about referees down south who are clearly better. We can't expect our referees to be top class when they're no full time referees. I mean, I know they, they train a few times a week and they get paid very well for it. Like you think you're like eight hundred and fifty quid a, a Premier League game. For a couple of those work that's even at that level is good. But I still think that part of the issue is these guys aren't they professional. They're refereeing professional games when they're no professional themselves. I think that's something that we need to look at. But I suppose it all comes down to finances. It's something I want to ask you is what do you think that with the VAR, do you think if with that comes in, do you think it'll make much of a difference? Or do you think you look at Mbappe's goal for France um, that week there where somehow even with uh, VAR, it was still they had him his own side when he was clearly offside? Well, I'll throw, it to, I'll throw it to you, Paul, first, um, like your answer. Uh, well, I think we, we spoke about it before, uh, guys. Um, I think it gives us an opportunity to, to try and rule out some of that bias because if there's a decision that has to be made by VAR, then, you know, you can kind of look at, okay, and I think it will show potentially the quality of the referee we have because um, you might see decisions and you'll be like, if we didn't have VAR, that would not have been have given. So I think it's almost almost like that. You know, anything that can help the referees is great. I understand there's, you know, certain times and in different leagues and different competitions that VAR hasn't been, you know, well received or maybe not not the best suited. Um but um it depends what kind of level of VAR it is. I don't I don't know if if they've talked exactly uh, or spoke exactly what what it is. If it's just you know red card issues, goal line penalties, these kind of things, or it's or it's the full. Um, I don't think it will be the full, but um, I think anything that we can kind of help those referees, I think would help. But um, yeah, at least we'll be able to compare. Um, and that's what I'm saying. We will see the decision for ourselves. So we'll see the same thing as the ref, whereas not of every time you're watching a game, you can't see exactly what the ref sees, but you'll have the opportunity to see what you see. see just, that, so, sorry, Paul. Um, no, see, sorry. Before you answer, guys, I actually just remembered something that I got sent yesterday. We're talking, and like I said, people might think I'm naive because I don't think refs cheat. I just think they're incompetent at times. But um, did you see the start with Rangers? They've had not had one red card in 79 domestic games. But seven red cards in nine European games. Eleven months. There's no had a uh, domestic red card for. Mental. I mean, how's that even how's that possible? But uh, yeah, I was just I don't know. I don't know. Just uh, something that popped in my head there. 
it's mind boggling. I know that is. I've seen that. <laughs> but but that's that's the thing when when you look at it and you say to yourself, you know, Celtic fans get a bad rep because we're obsessed over what biased or you know we think the world's against us, but. I think even when you look at, you know, you look at Sky Sports on a Monday and they'll do ref watch and they'll have, you know, maybe Dermot Gallagher or, or whoever on doing the, an ex-referee doing the, some of the big decisions of the weekend and, you know, they'll take a look at it and some of them, you know, the referees go, how did they come to that decision? Or, no, no, that wasn't a red card and blah, blah. Um, but in terms of in terms of the VAR, um, I, I, I said to Paul a couple of weeks ago that, I don't see it coming in um, because I think it's going to cost something in the region of £60,000 per club, um, which maybe the, the bottom clubs don't necessarily have to throw about. So, um, And they might feel that it's not going to benefit them. Now, you look at yesterday, for example, at Fir Park, um, you know, if, if VAR's there at the ground, then um, Motherwell are getting a penalty. It's possibly a chance to get back in at 2-1. And that changes the game. Um, but for me, I, I don't think enough clubs are going to stump up, either be able to stump up the cash or stump it up because they feel as if will not benefit from from the decisions. Um, in terms of Paul was saying, it doesn't know what kind of VAR it will be. I'd imagine it will be the same as you're getting in England. Um, now I watched the Newcastle Spurs game there. Um, obviously, I'm a Newcastle. That's my English team. But in terms of... We seem to have not had a VAR decision go our way since VAR came in. So um, it, it feels a wee bit like VARs against Newcastle. But listen, that it's decisions that's been made and it's decisions that are coming to the correct decision. Now, I don't agree with um, when you go to look at offsides and a player's got his toenail offside or his, his armpit offside. I think that's ridiculous. I think it needs to be... Reason within reasonable doubt that it's it should either be disallowed or not. But for me, I'd love to see it because I think it would show the, um, you know, the decisions that referees are making that are the wrong decisions, and it's kind of showing them up. Um, and I'm not saying they've not got a difficult job. Listen, I've I've seen documentaries on them and how fit they need to be to be a referee, and you'll know that yourself with taking a course and all the rest of it. But, <laughs> For me, um, referees are only good enough and they definitely need help. So I'd love to see it being trialled, but I don't see it being brought in, unfortunately. I, I, I think, first of all, you need to start having a bit of accountability for decisions, you know, um, when something when a referee makes a... And I, listen, I know they've got a tough job and it's and it's not easy, um, but nothing gets done about it. How long have we been moaning about referees or... You know, whatever. This is years. This is nothing new. This is since I was a boy. Like, this is years. And it just gets, oh, it's all right. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> the standard of referee is no great. And this is this is such a long time. There's no accountability for this. And nothing ever changes. And that will happen with VAR. There'll be a VAR team with a, you know, and, and that, it just, nothing ever changes. We moan about the same things every year and it just goes on and on and on and it's just pushed away and said, oh, that's that's what we expect. All the clubs should be holding the SFA rights and say, well, no, we, we expect better. Um, and there'll be one team across the city that will not want VAR because they might get found out. I think part of the problem you have, though, is uh, the teams that are making the decisions on VAR 
other guys yeah. that have yeah. if if you subscribe to the paranoia as it's called yeah. then they're the guys that are still going to be making the decisions and yeah. i don't think they care that much but mm-hmm. i think you're right it's see if you can go to var and fans can see themselves not just the highlights you see on the telly and that if you can see the breakdown of what's happening and like the lines and all that on it then you're, you're probably going to be able to say well you can pick points and say you know about this time that time mm-hmm. but um i'd quite like to see it come in just yeah because like you say paul things don't change you you just can't accept it now this isn't a, me saying um like oh we're cheated but you just they accept it like i don't think about referees a massive amount because growing up as a celtic fan i mean you're just kind of like well this is what's happened so you know what i mean it's no saying anybody's cheating but you you're like that's just the way it is and if that's any opportunity to change it then i'm all for that but that yeah, i mean not having that accountability and just expecting the same standard year in year out is the same as the tv deal nobody says no we're better than that mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what needs to change it's that mindset this if it should be going sky you know what you can both we'll do our own stuff you know and they'll soon regret it because they won't have the old firm games and mm-hmm. you know and you know people can say what they want but they're worth a lot of money um for the fan base alone so yeah see, see with the sky stuff you're talking about you can't tell mm-hmm. me that if um scottish football you could even bring in the lower leagues for this where these teams that don't get coverage can get coverage and exposure and get a bit more money in you can't sure. tell me if they put a package together and say look it's 15 pound a month for this package you can't tell me you're not going to get at least a hundred thousand people signing up for something like that with rangers fans you've got you should clearly be able to get that and then the money can filter down the divisions as well he's a wealth to the whole game instead of like england i know the championship is the fifth richest league in the world but that doesn't mean much when you compare it to what the premiership's on so i think it'd be yeah. good mm-hmm. to give the smaller clubs a bit more money as well aye i mean i totally agree i mean when you look at obviously the, a lot of the games are on amazon prime as well now um, I don't know if Amazon Prime would want to do, want to do a deal for Scottish football, even go down that route and take it away for Sky. But um, it is what it is at the moment. The, the thing that I loved yesterday in the, in the interview after the, the Motherwell game um, is that I think some of the, one of the reporters says to Ange um, about the result at Ibrooks, and he's like, Oh, listen, <laughs> I, thought that, I thought the tight race was done. Um, he says, We. we we look after our rain games and we run a rain race and we'll see what happens. So I'm not interested in that. As far as I'm, as far as I was told, the, the race was done, mate. And I love the fact that he calls everybody mate. But he's not really their mate. <laughs> nah, he's he's condescending. Kinda, it's condescending, cold eyes. <laughs> nah, it's cold eyes. Um, but um, listen, guys, thanks very much for coming on. Um, absolute no great show tonight. Um, got through a lot in such a short time. Um, so as I say, Club Badge FC. Thanks again for the sponsors. Um, if you want to listen to the show again, we are on the Facebook page, Celtic FC Appreciation. Um, we're available to download as well right after the show. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, tomorrow, I will be back at 12 o'clock um, to interview former Celtic captain Jackie McNamara on his new autobiography and we'll be going through his career. Any questions you have, any comments, make sure and get them into the page and we'll, we'll try and put them to him. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that tomorrow. And if you want to know about his his book tour, his UK book tour for his book, um, his name is McNamara. Um, all the details are on the page. Just scroll through and find the dates that you want in the different cities. Um, but thanks to Paul, a co-host, and Paul Gordon for coming on. Hopefully we'll get you back on again soon, mate. 
Oh, love to. I appreciate you inviting me on. Whenever you want, just give us a shout and I'm happy to come on and moan about anything Celtic related. <laughs> um, hopefully we keep winning and uh, enjoy the game Tuesday, Paul. Will do. Um, and we'll see you guys uh, tomorrow. Um, basically tomorrow at 12 o'clock. So um, until then, thanks for watching, guys.